This is Word on the Streets, a podcast about the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project. This podcast is created by the City of Midland, Michigan, and produced by the MCTV Network. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Word on the Streets, a podcast about information, updates, and perspective on the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project in Midland, Michigan. I'm your host, Katie Geyer, here again with my co-host, Grant Marshall. Good morning, Grant. Good morning, Katie. Today's episode is a big one because for the first time, we will be talking with our partner on this corridor improvement project. We are very excited to welcome two staff members from the department, Michigan Department of Transportation, to the podcast today. Joining us are MDOT Bay Region Engineer Bob Rank and Associate Region Engineer for Development Jason Garza. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so Bob, let's start with you. Um, if you could give our listeners a little bit of a background about exactly what you do at MDOT and how that impacts projects like the one that we're talking about in our community. Well, thank you. Um, MDOT is split into seven regions across the whole state, and I am the Bay Region Engineer. Uh, when we were responsible in the regions for all the transportation things with, um, has anything to do with transportation on I routes, US routes, and M routes including construction, operations, maintenance, development, design, uh, anything that has to do with the corridor, community outreach, all those things, Uh, especially when it involves uh, starting off with uh, major projects like this one at the Buttles uh, Street. We have um, started with the initial scoping and all of the work that to begin. So that's what kind of brings us to all the public outreach and the the, uh, word that we want to get out as we're starting to design. Sure. Now, I know we've seen you a lot. Uh, You are a familiar face at City Council through this entire process. So a lot of people that are watching on video might recognize you from before. Uh, So thank you for that. Jason, I understand that you touch a wide range of projects in the Bay Region and that you are directly involved with this project. So tell us a little bit about your work with MDOT and what your role is specific to the improvements that are planned for Buttles and Indian. Sure. Uh, well, thank you again for having us. Um, so again, I'm the Associate Region Engineer of Development. Uh, I am overseeing the design staff uh, that does the design for the larger projects uh, that do not get consulted out. Um, also over the survey staff, uh, the bridge safety inspection unit. Uh, we do have real estate staff as well and environmental permitting. And so um, I kind of oversee that entire area. Um, as it relates to this project, um, a major um, part of my role at MDOT is to uh, work with our pavement engineer folks to uh, prioritize what projects we do and when and and what they're going to involve. And so a lot of that is based on uh, payment condition and prioritizing what fix we do where. And so uh, as far as it relates to this project, um, you know, that would be my main involvement. And uh, because of the payment condition that we have out there, Uh, this is pretty much at a point where it needs to be reconstructed so that was determined to be the fix perfect well thank you so much to both of you for joining us today so as i said earlier mdot is the owner of this project and you guys are in the driver's seat haha no pun intended there um every step of the way throughout completion so what is the latest update on this reconstruction right now uh so the latest update uh we have a notice to proceed that was issued to the consultant for design uh, so again, not all design is done by MDOT staff. Uh, we only have so much capacity to take on design work. So anything that exceeds that capacity 
uh, ends up getting consulted out to uh, different vendors uh, within the area. Uh, and when I say the area, I say the state of Michigan generally. Uh, so at this point, we have them under contract and they will be uh, beginning survey uh, pretty much as we speak. Uh, so we will be seeing survey staff out there uh, getting shots in, in uh, topographical maps. And uh, then, then the, the process transitions into uh, design in the office. So, um, you know, with a project of this size and magnitude, uh, you know, right now we're looking at about a two to three year window or uh, time frame, excuse me, for uh, design. And uh, so that's how we're proceeding. Perfect. Okay. So, yeah, so you mentioned kind of that two to three year window. Um, that'll include, I, I know you mentioned the, um, the preliminary, preliminary design and engineering work. Um, there's also the in-house work that takes place. Um, can you talk a little bit about public opportunities that might be input opportunities that might be offered um, during that time um, within those two to three years? Yeah, sure. So uh, on a project of this magnitude and, and, and mostly this impact, uh, because it is a, a big impact to uh, the local traffic, we are planning on having uh, at least one uh, public involvement session or, or open house. We call them open houses. And so we'll be having at least one. I would envision there being probably two. And, uh, and at those meetings, you know, we generally uh, present um, schematics, uh, basically like a cross section of, of what the, the road will look like, you know, number of lanes in each direction, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times at those meetings, the, the thing that the public is most interested in is during construction, what can I expect when I'm driving through here? Sure. And uh, so we will, uh, at those open houses, talk about our, uh, what we call maintenance of traffic or maintaining traffic and what that scheme will look like. If it's, uh, you know, detours or if it's part with construction, you know, more often than not, we do part with construction because of the, uh, the um, large impact that detours tend to have. So, um, you know, in this case, we haven't, quite got to that point yet, uh, but those those schemes, those options will be presented to the public when we get to that point. Sure. So I think there were some people in the community who were pretty surprised to learn that once we made this council decision in January, changes were not going to be seen in this corridor at all for several years. Is this a pretty standard timeline for a project of this size? Yeah, when we, so each year we go through what we call the call for projects at MDOT. And that's basically saying, okay, here's what your budget is for certain year, uh, start prioritizing what projects you want with your budget. And so uh, we generally speaking on a, on a project of this size, which reconstruction, these are generally programmed five years out. So right, like this past year, we were programming jobs and getting ready to plan for jobs for the year in uh, 2026. Uh, then we move into 2027 now. So these are things that are done well in advance. And um, that's not to say that design is being done day in, day out for five years straight. It's more about working through some of the nuances and details of the work that's involved. So, you know, environmental permitting, which depending on what the impact is, uh, can be very time consuming. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in, in my um, biography there, you know, being able to oversee the real estate staff. So uh, at MDOT, we have a lot of real estate involvement and, and that comes down to when we're doing, you know, sidewalk ramp improvements and we're getting outside of our right of way and onto private property, we have to go through the legal uh, methods and processes to, uh, to do that work. And so there's a lot of documentation that takes place with, with the real estate staff. So uh, long story short, there's a lot of different things that are going on in that five-year period. Um, in addition to 
the milestones as far as review time, you know, plan reviews, making sure everybody's looking at the plans, let's go through these, make sure things are accurate and then move on to the next stage. Sure. So, so what does a timeline ultimately look like for this type of project? I mean, I know we're still in the initial design phase and kind of the beginning preliminary process, but what's really coming up next for us? So right now uh, we are starting design, like I mentioned, survey right now, actually, mm-hmm. and then moving into design. Um, currently, we do not have a construction year uh, programmed. Uh, we wanted to get the design started uh, as soon as we could, and then we'll be looking for funding opportunities uh, to get this construction funded. So at this point, I can't say that we have a construction year, but we do have a desire to get that completed in the next five years. All right. So now let's go back and talk a little bit about the trial uh, study that was completed um, and led into a lot of the information that was um, ultimately used to be able to determine the the two-lane cross-section on Buttle Street. Um, Of course, many of our guests probably remember that the city went through an 18-month trial period to collect data, um, and during that time it was um, specifically looked at traffic volumes, vehicle speeds, traffic delays, um, and also some crash information along the corridor within that, that trial period. Um, how does that information that was gathered at that time then uh, lead into the designs that will be going forward over the next couple of months? So um, we basically do, as Jason talked about, we do phases in our project uh, selection. So we have, before we start a major project, we will look at uh, the scoping phase of it, which means we'll look at the general things, what we want to do. Sometimes we'll, in a complicated project like this, we will pay for a consultant to do a do a study on that. Um, with this project, we did we did pay a consultant to do an overall scope of work and it saw that we were going to look at some opportunities to um, right size the, the the pavement section, especially on Buttles Road. So when we did that, uh, we decided we asked for you know council to give us some uh, support on that. We then decided that we were not only going to do the study that showed that maybe there were some good ideas that we could look at for some lane reduction, but we could also, since we had uh, an opportunity so far out in the phase, we could do some uh, real world collecting of data. We could go out and uh, actually close one of the lanes and do some of the work out there. Now, we appreciate everybody's patience because we know that it took a longer time than we normally do when we did this trial, but that was really because we had M20 bridge closed and we wanted to make sure that we had all of the necessary data to incorporate in that while the bridge is being closed. So with that, we're gonna have public outreach and data collection during the scoping phase. We're gonna have public outreach and data collection um, more of in the specifics for design. And then once we can get in construction, we will have that public outreach and uh, with the construction contractor sitting right there and talk about scheduling and those kind of things. So we were able to gather all this real-time data, which is much more than we would do for another project, and be able to gather all that data and be able to adjust things like all the components to the, the radiuses and the safety and all those things as we uh, give that information to the designer, especially when we got all of the feedback from the public. So we were able to gather that and send it on to the designer and incorporate it. 
Yes, that was actually going to be my next question. In addition to all of that physical data that we got during the trial period, we received a large amount of community input, especially related to safety, traffic flow, and concerns um, for motorists and pedestrians in that corridor. So how will the public input that was collected during that trial period be utilized in the design process? And, and what's that going to look like as we start seeing some designs come out of this work? Well, number one, uh, when we reconstruct a roadway like this, uh, people think it's going to be put right back where it's at. This is a large project, like up to 36 to $38 million. And the project will look completely different. When we reconstruct a corridor, we reach out to the local community, we reach out to the local people who live there and decide what kind of themes there are happening. So we would get feedback, uh, including some of the themes that people would want to have as attributes in the project and which is not. So we can help best fit that for the community and the motoring public. That's really what we call our context sensitive solutions, where we will continue to work with the locals all along through the project. If we were just to come in and say, this is what it's gonna be like, there will be no way to have that local feel and ownership. So it's not gonna just be things like the road diverge. We're gonna look at things like traffic flow, radiuses, um, different types of uh, sidewalk and, and maybe some community enhancements for that. So that's how we look at that and we'd be able to pass that information on to the designer and to make sure those get incorporated. Excellent. And I know we have city staff working with you guys as well and in direct contact with MDOT all the time. So that's something that we will definitely be looking at on our right of way as well during this process. Uh, so let's talk about input now during this design phase. Uh, Jason kind of mentioned this earlier. You guys typically do open houses uh, quite a bit. We've even done a few during the full business route 10 corridor study that kind of spurred this entire project. So at what point will the public be able to provide feedback on this design and what does that look like in terms of how the public can engage in that process? Um, yeah, I can take this question. So basically with the schedule, uh, you know, with the way it's set today, uh, we're looking at having base plans, what we call base plans uh, in the fall of 2021. And basically with base plans, this is, um, there's not a lot of detail to them quite yet. This is just making that, making sure that our horizontal alignment, our vertical alignment, everything is where, uh, where we want and then proceeding from there. So, um, you know, as far as open houses, you know, we tend to, we tend to put those somewhere near the beginning um, around base plans, because if there is a large change that needs to take place, there isn't uh, an incredible amount of rework that needs to take place because of the comments that we're receiving. So, um, you know, things tend to get a little bit more defined the more we get into, uh, get further into the design. So, um, you know, I, I can't speak to exactly when those dates would be, but I would, I would say sometime late fall, maybe into the winter um, of 2021 slash 2022 for, for an open house. And if I could add, um, sure. we, we look at these phases, uh, the scoping phase and the getting the right amount of lanes, those kind of things, then we move on to design. So when we have these open houses, we wanna make sure that we, we've already kind of finalized what the road diet's gonna be. We've done all the data collection over and above what we always have. So we're looking to do the next phase on that, which would be um, in the design. So we, we mm -hmm. don't really want to kind of take a step backwards sure. when we want to keep moving forward. 
Yeah. No, Bob, I think you make a good point because I think as we go forward, it's now about how we accomplish um, the decision that's already been made. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, th I know that's one thing that city staff has spent quite a bit of time um, discussing and, and wanting to make sure through podcasts like this or other mm -hmm. communications to the public that um, between MDOT and city council's decision to move forward with the lane reduction, um, that decision has been made and mm -hmm. now we want to um, move into the next phase to be able to figure out how we can best accomplish um, the new design under that decision that's been already determined. Yes, that, that, absolutely. That's that's what we said, I think, in the very first episode of this podcast. We're not going to go back and discuss whether this decision what should have been made or not. I think we are pretty um, aware of what our opinions are on this podcast, but um, we are now going to move into the next phase, which is looking towards the future and the exciting stuff, which is the design and seeing this project really come to fruition. Yeah, so if we could segue just a little bit um, into sort of the, the status of the corridor right now. Um, and um, as we've discussed, the full reconstruction of Buttle Street isn't, and Indian Street isn't expected for a couple more years um, at, at the soonest, maybe five years or more um, when it's all said and done. Um, but there may be some other opportunities to improve, sa um, improve safety and accessibility in some of these areas prior to the project taking place. Um, does MDOT have any plans for some incremental changes that could be made to in, um, improve safety, um, not only safety for motorists, but also property that surrounds um, the corridor currently and other users like bicyclists and pedestrians or even e-scooter users now that we have um, e-scooters here in Midland? Yes. Well, that's one reason why we have the public outreach. That's why we look at our context-sensitive solutions. Um, this is something that's really imperative to that, is how are we going to look at things like enhanced pavement marking or pedestrian signals, what type of signal heads we want to have, uh, the opportunities to work with the city on access management or egress and ingress, uh, how the, what the local uh, folks would want to have as far as easy, easy enough to where we can turn to, towards a downtown and get people from point A to point B in a safe manner and as clearly as, uh, as we can so people know exactly how to do that. The non-motorized is something that's very important to us. We've been always uh, take that in consideration in that community. Um, so those are the things that really help accent a roadway in this nature. Um, we want it to be incorporated in design, not just to be an afterthought where, oh, we should put something here, we should put something there. This has to be something that's kind of integrated in. And with this time frame that we have, uh, being a longer time frame in the design, this is why we give longer time frames to design. If it was a cookie cutter freeway, we don't necessarily need all that um, out public outreach. Sure, sure. Yeah, and if, if I could add to Bob's comments, you know, one of the things that we did in, uh, with the past project, the M20 bridge over the Tittabawassee River, um, that was a similar uh, impact, large impact to the city. And uh, that was also over a non-motorized path that was going to be impacted. And then also access to a park adjacent to a municipally owned golf course. So we had uh, a lot of impacts on that project as well. And during the development and design of that project, we, we had a lot of communication back and forth with uh, city of Midland leaders, uh, the engineering department. Uh, at the time, Brian McManus was still the city engineer, uh, but Josh was there. So we were we worked very actively with that staff. I, I like to think we have a really good rapport with the group. And uh, as a team, we kind of came together and and made sure that we were lessening the impacts as much as we could when you're when you're building a 23, 24 million dollar bridge um, in in a, in a city setting like that. So um, you know we, that's definitely a team effort that, that took place and uh, making sure that you know we're all communicating because in the end, uh, nobody really wants any surprises occurring. Sure, sure. I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, Jason, actually, because that project is a great opportunity for people to go and take a look at 
kind of refreshing an existing roadway but making it work better for uh, what we need and the future needs of the community if you drive across that now versus what it looked like prior to this reconstruction it was so much higher and I think it was six feet right about six feet of visibility impacted there and now you can see so much more clearly as you're going over that bridge mm -hmm. not to mention it looks amazingly beautiful right there it really fits into kind of the new aesthetic of downtown as well so um, if you haven't driven across that bridge uh, go and check it out or if it's been a number of years um, go and take a look at it now because it looks wonderful um, the drive is very smooth there's a lot of increased visibility and you can see our beautiful tridge a lot better which i know mm -hmm. is a big feature for us as well so um, a another great example of a, a project that is looking in the future and saying what what can we do to help improve this roadway not just redo it but to make it work better for the future of this community yeah. so for those of our listeners that are unfamiliar the mdot bay region includes midland and it spans a 15 county area including the <coughs> thumb flint saginaw bay city mount pleasant and Clare. that's a huge huge region uh, jason is mdot working on any projects right now that are similar in scope to the buttles corridor in the bay region somewhere else um, well, one thing that we do, uh, we end up looking, we do have a lot of studies that we do uh, that, that take place for, for what we call the one-way pairs going into the cities. Mm -hmm. And so uh, like we have the one-way pairs in Midland, there's something similar in Bay City with Thomas and Jenny. And so we, we always look at uh, making sure we're right-sizing, quote unquote, right-sizing our roads. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of cases, uh, traffic volumes have, have bolstered and uh, maybe we need to do something a little bit different with lane configuration and in some cases we have less traffic so uh, things that worked uh, for traffic patterns 50 years ago don't necessarily work for traffic patterns of today and so um, i think bob you were going to speak a little bit more about some of the the different broad broad picture of those studies uh in flint correct yes because when we look at those those downtown areas uh those are areas where we can start a, a similar study just like we did here and we will look at what type of lane configuration they have, come up with alternatives, have public outreach, uh, including, you mentioned Bay City, we mentioned we have uh, M46 in Saginaw. We also have M21 in Flint, where we have a split in the one-way uh, pairs that way. So what are we gonna do to right size and what are we gonna do to work with the communities? Because we're not gonna just go by whatever the decision was made a long time ago. We're gonna continue to upgrade and see how that goes with, with the way that we um, can work in the future the way we predict to do that. Sure. Yeah. As we've said before in this podcast, you know, it's been uh, 50, 60 years almost since this, this roadway was reconstructed. So we're looking forward to what the next iteration is of that is for future generations using it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one uh, kind of final question that we wanted to focus on really relates to um, upcoming milestones for the public. Um, or for the public really to pay attention to. So I know we've mentioned a couple things about open houses that could be offered in the future. I know we're still a little bit early on before something like that would be scheduled, but um, maybe Jason, since you've talked a little bit about those those opportunities, um, what is the, the thing that maybe the public should know the most about the next couple steps in the timeline? Um, well, like I mentioned, it, it definitely takes several years to get through, uh, through this process. So uh, with, like I'd mentioned, base plans, um, we're looking at having base plans completed around the fall uh, with a base plan review meeting taking place in January of 2022. Um, and then moving on from there, we would be looking at having what we call a plan review, which is, uh, I guess, depending on uh, depending on your situation, you might say it's 70 to 80% plan completion. 
uh, maybe more than that, depending on the case. Uh, so plan complete uh, plan review meeting would be somewhere around February of 2023. So uh, you can see it's it's a, it's a going to take us a couple years to to get to that point. Um, but like Bob had mentioned, you know that that allows for the adequate time for public input for uh, communicating some of the needs um, above and beyond like the road diet section because that has got. Uh, has received so much attention you know there's going to be some other things as far as connectivity and and uh, turning tapers and radii so these are all things that get taken into uh, consideration also in, in addition to, to street lighting and one thing i'd like to add to that is that the major work's going to happen here a lot of the technical features jason knows he was in charge of the m20 bridge and eastman road where we opened up the roadway and we just found a spaghetti mess of uh, utilities <laughs> that were there and that is where we do as much as, as much work as we can ahead of time, because all of the work we do ahead of time to locate that and design in the right locations and the right sizing and all that is going to save us time rather than having the contractor sitting there with machines running. We're going to do it beforehand and get that done. So it costs, you know, makes us have a safer and makes us have a cheaper uh, roadway to where we can do it in the best way we can. So the contractor can come in with no unknowns is best way you can say that. Um, to get things done in the best way. Sure. Yeah. Construction is a, is a very different animal. We have that um, conversation a lot, even within our own projects. So uh, we will patiently, but maybe a little bit impatiently wait for the next phase of this. I know we're very excited uh, to get to the next stage in this and start seeing some designs come out. Um, so we're really just waiting at, and looking forward to seeing some of that stuff soon. So I want to thank both of you for joining us today, and uh, thanks to MDOT for making these guys available to chat with us. I know we're looking forward to having you guys back again in the future to talk more about the project, hopefully soon with some designs, but we will be waiting until then and uh, wait for some of those additional details to come out. So that's all for this installment, but we will be back next month with another episode and more updates on the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project. Until then, see you soon and slow down. This has been Word on the Streets, a podcast created by the City of Midland, Michigan and produced by the MCTV Network. For more information on this podcast or to learn more about the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project, visit cityofmidlandmi.gov corridors.